0: Welcome to Evangel this morning. It's good to see you. Others will continue to join us over time. but We're glad you're here. Welcome to those watching from home. Uh, We're glad you're with us as well. Would you stand so that we can celebrate and worship God together?
1: Amen. Aren't you glad? <laughs> I sure am. Great to see you this morning. do not you take a few moments, say hi to each other before you're seated. Thank you. You may be seated. Well, good morning. Welcome to Evangel on this beautiful Sunday, sunny Sunday morning. We're glad that you're here and uh, to worship together this morning. And our prayer uh, for you is to experience the presence of God together in community and to to leave today uh, inspired, challenged, and more ready than ever to to live out his mission wherever we find ourselves outside of this place. For those of you who are joining us through the live stream, we're glad you're here with us as well. God bless you, and we pray that today's service would be a blessing to you. do have a couple of announcements. If you happen to be new, if this is your first time here, you'll find in the chair in front of you, there's a, uh, what we call a connection card. If you would fill that out, that way we can connect with you and um, follow up with you. And at the end of the service, you could take that card to the information desk. Thank you. I got it right. It took 15 years, but I got it right. Uh, and uh, let's see if next week I default back, but, but, but hopefully not. You can take it there. There's a small gift there for you. And uh, so we'd be happy to, to know that you were here and to come alongside and help you in any way we can serve you. So just keep that in mind. Just a couple of announcements. Um, Open Hands Global, uh, Esther Massey, her leadership team, will be hosting a garage sale uh, here at EPC on the parking lot on Saturday, June the 11th. And it will go from uh, 7 a.m. or 8 a.m. in the morning right up until 6 p.m. in the evening. And if you uh, have some things that you want to donate, maybe you've already done your spring cleaning and gotten rid of things, but maybe you've done it and you're getting ready to move it off, or maybe this will be an inspiration to get moving on that. But if you have some things to donate uh, to Open Hands Global for their garage sale, you can bring them here next Sunday Place them in the foyer, but also the day before on June the 10th, they will be here from noon until 6, and they'll also be here at 7 o'clock in the morning, up and receiving items up until noon on the day of. So uh, if you have things to contribute, please uh, do that, and hopefully you won't do what I usually do I drop off a box and I go home with the box. So, but that's not a bad thing, right? We're supporting the uh, garage sale, but if Guys, if your wife asks you where you're going to put it, just say, in my office. Remember? I taught you that. So just say it's going in my office, and then you just migrate it home eventually. I uh, just want to also remind you, uh, starting next Sunday, we're going to go back to actually receiving offering as part of our worship service, and as an act of worship, we've, we've not been doing that. Throughout the COVID pandemic, we've and so today as well, there are there are plates on small tables at the doors. You, you on the way in, some of you may have dropped on the way out. You can drop it there. Um, you can also send it to us electronically through e-transfer giving at epcoakfield.com. And starting in next week, we'll be collecting offering as we have in the past. So um, just let you know that we'll be doing that starting next week. And also just a reminder that as we're walking through this, uh, this process of coming out of uh, the uh, most serious impact of the COVID pandemic and assessing the losses and changes. We talked about the first week in our series, the resources impact. And so our goal here at Evangel for the end of June is to not only get back on budget, but to also make up the losses that we've seen so far this year. And so just want to keep that in front of you and remind you of that today as well. Kids, you are free to go, and uh, you can meet your uh, leaders over here to the side, and uh, a little later, we have a guest today. I'm going to introduce, introduce our guests a little later, but for now, I'm going to hand it back to Carly. God bless you as you continue to worship this morning.
0: You are welcome to remain seated while we go through this first song. It may be a little unfamiliar to you, but the songs chosen this morning are meant to highlight, just like the first package Everything in those songs pointed to the fact that it was God who did the work. That we are asked to just bring the brokenness, bring the chaos, bring the need, bring what we've got. And as broken humanity, we we don't have a ton. And he does the job. He redeems it. He buys it back at the foot of the cross. So as we sing these songs, our, our hope and our intent is that these songs give voice to your own prayer. That these songs are a prayer that you can either let wash over you as we sing it, or you can sing loud and own it. But that we be reminded there is one who has done the job, and he asks us just to come and to give what we have, and he redeems it and makes it something useful. Confusion's my companion, and despair holds
2: me for ransom. I will feel no fear. I know that you
0: we did not sing these songs because you need to be reminded of your faithfulness of a love that's so perfect we cannot even conceive of it we didn't sing this because you needed the reminder we need the reminder that there is such completeness in your love and such completeness in your faithfulness and such completeness in your ever-present spirit that walks the seasons of life with us. And Holy Spirit, we ask that as we transition to a time of hearing your word, that what you have begun to whisper into us as reminders would continue to be sealed and strengthened and brought to the front of our memories you are sovereign and that you have a redemptive nature and a redemptive power we can only begin to understand and that whether we are walking through easy seasons or difficult ones you redeem them all for your purpose and your glory and ultimately for our good How grateful are we as a broken people that your love is that big, that your mercy is that relentless, that your plan is that complete, and that your name is the great.
1: Thank you, Carlene and worship team, for leading us so beautifully this morning and reminding us of so many important things about God's presence with us and working in our lives during difficult, difficult times. This week, we're going to be continuing our sermon series that we began a few weeks back entitled, Making a Comeback that Aims to Address the Changes and Losses that have been realized within the church community as a result of the COVID pandemic. And when we were charting out this series, uh, I knew that when we are discussing some of these losses and changes that one of the most significant impacts of the COVID pandemic on individuals and the church community was the mental health component. And also realized very quickly that um, that's not an area of my expertise. I'm an expert at experiencing the impact of the mental health, but not talking about it uh, in a constructive and helpful way. And so as we were talking, um, realized that we need to bring somebody in that can address this topic for us that is uh, more equipped and uh, helpful in that regard. And so we have a special guest with us today, Dr. Uh, Jerry Tan, and uh, his wife Elaine is here with him as well. And uh, they have two daughters and two sons-in-law and four grandchildren. And uh, Jerry has pastored for 41 years. He has served as the lead pastor at Cedarview Church in Paris, Ontario, as well as Aurora Cornerstone Church in Aurora, Ontario. Currently, he is the spiritual um, care pastor at Evangel Church in Brantford. In addition... He teaches undergrads at Master's uh, College, Bible College and Seminary and deals with pastoral care and restoration needs within the Western Ontario District of the PAOC. Leads pastoral seminaries in Western Ontario District, facilitates mental health seminars for the PAOC as well as for the Mental Health Commission of Canada. And in April of 2020, during the height of covid Jerry was asked to give anxiety support for staff at two COVID long-term residency units for the city of Toronto. And so uh, we thought there was no better person to invite to come. So Jerry, we're going to invite you to come and uh, ask you to speak to us today um, on this very really important topic. God bless you.
3: Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you so much, Pastor Shannon and uh, Jennifer. Nice to meet you. And uh, Scott. I taught him. Great to see him here. I don't know where he is right now, but uh, it's an honor to be here today at Evangel. And um, I have a cousin-in-law. I don't know. Does anyone have a cousin-in-law? I just texted him this morning because I thought about it this morning sitting in my car. And so I gave John Stewart a text. And some of you may remember the Stewart family. John's married to my cousin, Beverly. And he said, Would you say hi to the church from me? So this is, I'm just doing this because I promised him I would, and I don't want to be a liar. So uh, it's great uh, to be in the church that I think his dad was quite instrumental in founding many, many years ago. Am I correct in that? Yeah. Planted the church in 1963. So uh, great to be here today. I was thinking about... uh, the the impact of mental health and COVID and uh, national post published uh, 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 kind of a survey in 2020 across Canada and about 66% of people across Canada in 2020 said they were struggling with anxiety, mental health struggles. Uh, The province in the province of Ontario, another research study was done last year or 2021 in the height of COVID and that Anxiety rate with people had risen to 75% in the province of Ontario that were reporting uh, anxiety struggles and anxiety issues. Um, COVID has really done a number mentally. Now, of course, we're, it's being, everything's being complicated because we are coming out of COVID, but now we have a war going on in Europe. And so there's, there's additional anxiety that is happening because of that because we don't fully know. When, when you deal with a war, you never know what the outcome of war is going to be because there's no planned out... You know, I mean, there may be a plan, but we can't tell what the outcome is. Uh, when it comes to mental health issues across Canada, 20% of people in Canada will suffer a mental health challenge sometime in their life. We would classify mental health challenges as uh, psychosis and, uh, you know, schizophrenia, those kinds of diseases. About 1% of The population are affected by that. Mood disorders, like bipolar disorders, depressions, anxiety disorders, uh, addictions, suicidal thinking. Um, All of those kinds of things would be classified as mental health challenges. Today, I want to focus on a mental health challenge that will probably impact us sometime in our life. Why do I say that? Although 20% of Canadians will suffer a mental health challenge sometime in their uh, this, in this coming year, that same, about 50% of Canadians will suffer a mental health challenge sometime in their life. So 20% in any given year, but 50% or half of our population will suffer a mental health challenge sometime in our life. And I'm reminded of a man in the Bible... His name was Elijah. How many of you remember Elijah? And uh, the story of Elijah is in 1 Kings chapter 19. And he's kind of, you know, thought he had done pretty good. He had just overcome the prophets of Baal. And uh, the king's wife sends him a letter saying, So may the gods do to me, And more also, if I do not make your life as a life of one of them by this time tomorrow. Let's paraphrase that. I'm going to kill you. I'm after you. So even Elijah, who had experienced many miracles and had seen the awesome power of God in his life, was suddenly filled with anxiety. You know, he had stopped the rain to show Ahab the power of God he assisted a widow in Zarephath remember he went to her house and he did the mir- the god performed the miracle that allowed food to continue in her home and uh, he suddenly when her when her son died he brought the he lay on his son and brought and the son was brought to life and 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 here was Elijah who had decided that he's going to take on the biggest challenge of his life and that was to deal with a pluralistic world the Israelites were involved with. In other words, he was fed up that the Israelites were worshipping other gods. And so um, he made a proposal uh, and said, let's uh, see who true, who, who's the real God here, right? Let's, let's actually try to determine who is really, really God. And so he asked, all Israel, to meet him at Mount Carmel. And uh, so they all showed up. I don't know how many, you know, with with the Bible, we're not always 100% sure when all Israel went out to see Jesus or all Israel met at Mount Carmel. Was it all Israel or was that a figure of speech? But I can be sure that probably a major part of the population of the country showed up at Mount Carmel. He got the word out. And he asked that the prophets of Baal and the prophets of Asherah uh, would also show up. So 450 prophets of Baal showed up and 400 prophets of Asherah. Now, Baal was the god of fertility called El. And it was a very evil worship system. They incorporated child sacrifices. Asherah was the female version. She was the mother goddess. And so Elijah said, Let's, let's just show up and really find out who truly is God. Is it, is it Baal and Asherah, or is it the real, genuine one God? There's, we serve one God. Is the God of Israel the real God? And um, he made comments like, how long will you go limping between two different opinions? And I'm thinking of our Canadian culture, right? Are we limping between different opinions of who God really is? in this pluralistic world that we live in. Elijah said, hey, let's, let's see. If the Lord is God, follow him. But if it's Baal and Asherah, let's follow them. And the people didn't respond because this was a new experience for them. Um, he said, I'm the only prophet of the Lord who is still left. But Pro- Baal's prophets are 450 men and asherah 400 so there's 850 prophets from this side i'm the only one left who's still a prophet of god that's an interesting statement when you think about it he was the only one left and he says let's have a competition how many of you like competitions uh, anybody mean, uh, fairly competitive i'm um, i'm from edmonton so I'm really excited about the oilers right he says, Let's have a competition. So the people are watching this. He says, Let's get two bulls. All right. And you guys choose a bull. And I'll choose the other bull. And we're gonna we're gonna cut this bull up. And we're gonna we're gonna make altars first of all. And, and then put cut this bull up, and then we're gonna place the bull on the altar. But there's gonna be no fire. The God who puts fire on the bull is the real God. Now that would be quite the competition. I I actually wish I would have been a part of that. Because I think that would have been kind of a cool thing to do. To see whether or not the real God is actually going to, you know, put fire on the altar. That would like, how many of you think that would be kind of cool, right? To see something like that happen. And you start... All right, you guys start, you Baal Asherah people, you 850 prophets. You start, and we'll give you, you know, several hours to get this all together. And you call upon the name of the Lord, and if fire comes on your altar, on your bull, then we will all worship Baal and Asherah. And we'll say, that's it, we've, we've served the wrong God. The, the, Jew, the Israelite God is not the true God, and he is God and we will worship him. And the people said, this is a great idea. Let's see what happens. Now this must have been quite the event. And um, so the people took the bull and they the Baal and Asherah people and they they put the um, cut the bull up and put it on the altar and they started crying out, say "Oh Baal, answer us! But there's no Response. The people yell louder, right? Elijah, uh, this goes on for several hours, and Elijah actually begins to make fun of their God. He says, uh, Maybe he's asleep, or he's on a journey, or kind of weird, but he says, Maybe he's having a bathroom break or something, you know? Uh, What's happening? Well, the people cried even louder. They cut themselves with swords and lances until the blood gushed out of their arms and legs and as midday passed, they raved on and on, but there was no voice. There was no uh, intervention by their God to put fire on their altar. Then, Elijah experiences a major high of life. How many of you have Love the highs of your life. Did you know that life is full of, filled with highs and lows? How many of you discovered that? Um, I, was, <clears throat> I was thinking, I like sports, so I was thinking of when the Raptors won the, the NBA championship a few years ago. How many of you guys were pretty excited? I still see Raptor shirts going around, right? The highs of life, the pre COVID world. Uh, my grandchildren, right? We have four grandchildren, as Pastor Shannon mentioned. Kind of cool. Those are part of the highs of life. Well, Elijah was about to experience a major high in his life. It's interesting. I had to think about this. I've found that highs are often there and then the lows are around the corner. How many of you have ever experienced that? Right? Don't get too high and don't get too low. Those are coaches' words often to sports teams. But We can get really high on our highs. Well, Elijah does something very interesting. He's quite Pentecostal. How many of you knew that? Elijah was Pentecostal. He has, for what I can see, the first altar call. It's true. You can read it in verse uh, 30. He says to the people, come near to me. Come to the front. How many of you remember that? Come to the front. So, Elijah (coughs) kind of has his first... What I what I perceive to be the first altar call. So anyone who says that altar calls are not biblical, there's one right here in Elijah. Sorry, in First Kings 18 verse 30, where Elijah says, "Come to the front." So the people came near to him, and uh, he 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 fixed up the altar because um, it needed some repair. And then Elijah took 12 stones, according to the number of the tribes of the sons of Jacob. And uh, he made a trench around the altar. So uh, he dug a trench. I think uh, some, pe- some commentators, if I remember correctly, say this trench was significant, probably pretty deep, maybe up to three feet deep. And he put three gallons of water into the trench. And then he put the wood on the altar, cut the bowl into pieces, laid it on the wood. And he said, fill four jars with water. These were large jars, about this big. And he says, pour it onto the sacrifice. And they did that. Then he said, do it a second time. And they did it. And he said, do it a third time. And they did it. So a lot of water was poured onto the bowl. And the water was so deep that it filled the trench, but also dripped the, the animal, the water dripped off the animal. And I have a, an opinion here. I think there was the, this is just my opinion. I, I can't verify this in Scripture. Just my thoughts, my imagination. I say to people sometimes, is my imagination working. But because the people were yelling at their gods... I think Elijah prayed a very quiet prayer. Just my imagination. To contrast what had happened. And he said, O Lord, God of Abraham, Isaac and Israel, let it be known this day that you are God in Israel, and that I am your servant, and that I have done all these things at your word. Answer me, O Lord, answer me, that the people may know that you are Lord, and that you've turned their hearts, and that you our, our Lord and to be worshipped. And the fire of the Lord falls and consumes the burnt offering and the wood and the stones and the dust and licks up the water that's in the trench. And when all the people saw it, they fell on their faces because this is an altar call in the front saying, the Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. So for Elijah, this was a major high in his life. God had done an amazing thing. The whole nation of Israel had been turned around, repented, and turned back to the true God. But then come the lows of life. COVID. We've we've come through a very difficult time in the church. We're trying to rebuild. Um, There will be the lows of life that will hit us. The financial difficulties. The health, um, the health scares that hit us out of the blue. The times where our job is terminated for no reason. Um, our children having issues in their marriages. Um, our children just having issues sometimes. Being parents, we pray for our kids, right? And what happens when there's a low in our life? Well, Elijah himself goes through a major low in his life. When he finds out that Jezebel has decided to kill him, he begins to run. Begins to run. And he goes a day's journey into the wilderness and sits under a broom tree and makes an interesting statement. It is enough now, O Lord, take away my life. For I am no better than my fathers. Some people have wondered, was that a type of suicidal thinking? I'm ready to die. Um, I want to say today that I want to just focus in on anxiety. Because anxiety is probably one of the number one mental health issues that we all wrestle with. Not all of us wrestle with psychosis. Not all of us wrestle with mood disorders or bipolar disorders. Anxiety seems to be more prominent with the average person. I, I can tell you that in my life I've had bouts of anxiety. And, and I'm sure, and I'm not going to do this, but I'm sure if I asked for a show of hands, I don't think there'd be a significant amount of hands that would go up and say, I have also wrestled at times with anxiety. COVID did that. It brought anxiety to the forefront. Situational anxiety is normal. I'm going to get a little clinical today. Are you okay if I'm a little bit clinical? We have in our each side of our brain a thing called the amygdala. How many of you have ever heard of the amygdala? Amygdala is the Latin word for, al- uh, for almond. Because the amygdala is the size of an almond. The right side of the um, amygdala is fused to the back of the brain, which is the emotional response piece of our brain. And it causes us to go into a fight, fight, or freeze mode. Have you ever had something come out of the blue? You either fight it, or you run from it, or you just don't know what to do. You freeze. How many of you have ever had that? I've had that. The right amygdala is spinning all the time when you're going through a stressful time, when something comes out of the blue. The right amygdala says, what if this happens? What if, what if, what if, what if, what if, what if? How many of you have ever experienced that? The right amygdala tends to go to the worst case scenario. The left amygdala is tied to the frontal lobe of the brain. The left amygdala is trying to keep up with the right amygdala. The left amygdala is spinning, trying to give solutions to the right amygdala. Well, try this, try this, try this, try this. How many of you have ever had two amygdalas spinning in your brain? Right? That's actually what I'm sharing is clinical stuff. The two amygdalas are always working. The right says, what if this happens, Jerry? What if this? What if this? What if? The left says, well, try this. Maybe this works. This works. And they're both spinning. And only when the two come together does your anxiety drop. I don't know if you've ever known that. Only when the right amygdala and the left amygdala begin to agree does your, does your anxiety begin to drop. This is some clinical stuff. But it's quite fascinating the way God made us. One of my students, I don't know if it was in your class, Scott, but I don't remember which class it was, uh, said one day, I, I've been thinking why God, uh, about this Perhaps God created the amygdala to keep Adam and Eve from eating of that tree, the fruit of that one tree. And so that amygdala started going off in Adam's brain and Eve's as he got closer to the tree. And I thought, hmm, never heard that before, but that's an interesting uh, observation. Maybe true. I don't know. But anxiety happens when our right amygdala is spinning and our left amygdala is trying to find solutions. Well, in in Elijah's brain, I'm pretty sure his right and left amygdala were spinning. The right amygdala was saying, and maybe he wasn't even listening to his left amygdala, because some people don't even respond or listen to the left amygdala that's spinning. Maybe he was thinking, I'm doomed. I'm going to get killed. I'm going to get massacred. She's going to hang me up, you know, for everyone to see I'm dead. And and Elijah's anxiety resulted in him being physically exhausted. That's what anxiety does, first and foremost. I've actually entitled this sermon, I I didn't use it today, but it's called A Nap and a Snack, because that's kind of what is often a solution for anxiety. A nap and a snack, how many of you have experienced that? It's interesting that in sleep, the left amygdala often catches up and can work even in your sleep and finding solutions to the difficulty you're in. But Elijah's anxiety resulted in him being physically exhausted. So what anxiety does in a person, it will make you tired. Because your brain is on overdrive. I've talked to people that uh, as a pastor, and I've worked with some people, especially those who've gone through post-traumatic stress disorder, Their right amygdala never shuts down, and their left amygdala is trying to catch up. They are physically exhausted because they are going through trauma in their lives. So Elijah's anxiety resulted in physical exhaustion. It resulted in mental exhaustion. He was so tired, he wasn't even thinking about thinking rationally, he wasn't giving his left amygdala a chance to catch up. The other thing that I noticed about the Elijah's anxiety, it caused him to want to be alone. Often people who are exhausted with anxiety, they try to run away from people when they actually need some people. And it's not an introvert-extrovert thing, by the way. Did you know... I, Introverts also need people, they're just more selective. I'm a bit of an extrovert, and uh, actually my last Berkman, it's interesting, when I did Myers-Briggs, I was an introvert, when I did Berkman, I was an extrovert, sorry, when I did Myers-Briggs, I was an extrovert, and a couple of years ago, I did the Berkman with the WOD, and I've turned from an introvert, sorry, from an extrovert, from an extrovert into an introvert, so now I'm an introvert, so I used to be an extrovert. Now I'm an introvert according to those two tests, so I'm not totally sure. But anyway, it's not an introvert-extrovert thing. We all need people. But when we try to remove ourselves from people, when we try to get away from people and be alone in our anxiety, it's not always the best solution to the problem. And it caused Elijah to yearn from death. How can I feel well again? The solution is the comfort of God and the comfort of others and medication. So I'm going to close by sharing some insight from a passage out out of 2 Corinthians chapter 1. How can I feel well again? Number one, I need the comfort of God when I'm going through anxiety. Number two, I need others in my life. Number three, I need medication. I've asked for a PowerPoint to be shared, if we can put that up. This is a PowerPoint that was developed by psychiatrists, psychologists, they worked years on this, and they've color-coded the mental health continuum. And as you can see, the arrow goes both ways. It goes to the right, and it goes to the left. In a healthy zone, there's normal mood fluctuations. There's always going to be issues. You're still going to get cut off on the 401 by somebody. Uh, your kids will still get sick and you've got to find somebody for them at the last minute so you can go to work and they, they need a babysitter. You're still going to have those things, but you take it in stride. It's, you're in a healthy zone. You're in the green zone. You have a good sense of humor. Um, I, I like that. Because uh, sometimes I have a sense of humor and I've felt guilty in the past. Having grown up in the PAOC, you're not supposed to be a joke, but now I know it's okay. It actually means you're mentally healthy. So good sense of humor is good. Um, normal sleep patterns, few sleep difficulties, good energy, and addictions are minimal, if at probably not at all. In the green zone. In the yellow zone, which is your situational anxiety, which I've just talked about, when something happens, like Elijah, we can become irritable impatient. We can have trouble sleeping. We can uh, find that we have low energy and decreased social activity. And there's a greater risk for addictions. If we don't handle the situational anxiety well, we can get into chronic anxiety or generalized anxiety disorder where we're always angry, sleep issues, withdrawal, um, reoccurring nightmares. And if we don't handle that well, we can get into the injured zone, which is panic attacks caused by the anxiety or suicidal thinking. Here's, Here's something you can do at home. Are you ready for this? A little homework? You can take your phone and download the mental health continuum model. So you can get this on your phone. And you can do a daily checkup. Where am I? Here's the thing it's important that if you are in the situational anxiety zone where the amygdala is working, responding or reacting zone, like Elijah was in the situational anxiety zone, it is important, number one, for me to go to God, number two, for me to have community around me to get me back in the green zone. Pastor Shannon, I'm actually happy I'm not lead pastor anymore. So uh, I have to be careful how I say this, lest some people get envious. But when I was lead pastor, you know, I might have a board member who'd say something like, you know, the CE department is falling apart. I'm making this up. This never happened. So this is a total fabrication. And I'd think, okay, they're, they're, they're done with our church. They're done with our leadership. They're done with me. I'd go home, complain to my wife, and she'd say, no, I actually agree with that board member, and here's why. And my wife would get me back into reality because I have the tendency, because I'm a thinker. How many of you are a little bit of thinkers? I have the tendency to get into cognitive distortions. Start to believe stuff that's not real. Anybody ever have that? Start to imagine things that just aren't there. And my wife has been fantastic in getting me back in the green zone. What we need is a community that will get us back into reality. So Elijah needed that as well. And actually God supplied that for him. I don't know if you know this. But he had a couple angels show up, nap and a snack. They let him sleep and they had him eat. They let him sleep and they had him eat. We need community. And so, um, if, if we are going through a difficult time with anxiety, one of my favorite passages, and I'm going to close with this, is 2 Corinthians chapter 1. That in our difficult times, God comforts us. In our suffering, He comforts us. The Greek word is paraklesos. God comforts us in all our tribulation. And we, in turn, comfort, when we receive comfort from God, according to 2 Corinthians chapter 1, we are in turn to comfort others. The Holy Spirit actually uses us as a conduit. He comforts us, we comfort others. Sort of like love God, love your neighbor, the great commandment. The question then is, why do we suffer? Number one, we suffer because our suffering leads us to God. Verse 6 of 2 Corinthians chapter 1. If we are afflicted, it is for your comfort and salvation. Suffering will usually cause one of two things. Either it will drive us closer to God, or it will drive us away from God. But if we are close to the Lord, and we want to serve the Lord, then our suffering will lead us to God. Number two, we also suffer so that if we are comforted, we in turn can comfort others. That's the beauty of Christianity. Suffering helps us to be able to comfort others. How could we comfort others if we never ever suffered? Now, I know this is not the most popular Sunday morning sermon about the need for suffering, but I do believe God allows us to go through suffering so that we can comfort others. And thirdly, Paul writes, that's in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 6, we also suffer that when we so that we can learn how to endure suffering or build resilience. Um, Paul says that suffering is effective in the patient enduring of the same sufferings which we also suffer. So in other words, Paul says. God allows suffering into our lives so that we can develop spiritual resilience and spiritual endurance. Um, the main concept of this word is not a grim bleep, acceptance of trouble, but triumph. It describes the human spirit when touched by God is not only capable of accepting suffering, but is also able to triumph over it. Silver and gold come out purer When refined by fire, the Olympic athlete becomes stronger by choosing the pain of the weight room. I should try that sometime. So God allows suffering. God, number one, suffering brings us closer to God. Number two, suffering allows us to comfort others with the comfort we receive from God. And number three, suffering builds spiritual endurance. So God's comfort transforms fear into faith, brings calm into crisis, poise into panic, peace into pain, faith into fear. Let me say that there will be times in our life, like in Elijah's case, where we will be hit with situational anxiety. COVID was one of those experiences. Our generation, at least my generation, we never ever experienced that. Situational anxiety will hit us. It'll hit us in the workplace. We may lose a job someday or get a bad review. It'll hit us in health issues. It'll hit us in our family issues. See, I believe in just speaking the truth in love. Love. I know this is not something we always want to hear. It could hit us financially. It could hit us in many ways. How are we going to handle our situational anxiety? Elijah had to learn that lesson. He had to learn that he had to receive his comfort from God through angels. And he had to learn how to get back in the green zone. We need a community when we're going through situational anxiety. To help us back into the green zone. That's why the the Christian experience is about loving God. But also loving our neighbors and caring for one another. I trust this little talk on anxiety has been helpful for you today. That it will give us some tools to work with. If we're anxious, overthinking type of people, which I often have been in my life. These may be tools. Where we can go to God first and foremost. You know, what a friend we have in Jesus. Remember that hymn? How many not even remember. We can take all our cares and prayer requests and burdens to Him. But secondly, we need our neighbors. Those close to us. To help us get back into the green zone. I try to get back in the green zone as quickly as possible. God has helped me that, because I teach this stuff all the time. God has helped me now that I get into the green zone pretty quickly. I have a community. I'm really blessed. I have a couple psychologists that I call. They call me as well. We help each other get in the green zone. I have my wife. I have a Christian community. We need community to help us through anxiety. I trust this has been helpful. God bless you. Thank you.
1: Thank you, Jerry, for sharing that today very good information and some, some real truth in there. And uh, I know personally I've parked in that passage with Elijah many times and, uh, um, you know, just to see how God comes alongside and 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 helps us um, not to deny our reality but to help us in that reality and to take us where we need to go. I'm going to invite you to stand with us this morning. Carlene is going to lead us and then I'm going to Pray for all of us today and for some who aren't here with us physically as we conclude our service this morning. Lord Jesus, as we come before you today, we recognize that the very unique and difficult season that we've all journeyed through in the last couple of years has for many of us intensified our mental health challenges, anxiety, feelings of hopelessness and despair and worry and concern, dealing with the realities of the fallout of so many different areas that touch our lives directly. And Father, as we stand before you today and we read your word and we sing songs that talk about waiting and seeking and being patient, we realize that that's not always easy to do. But Lord, we realize that that's our, that's our our way through, is waiting on you. We need you. And, and Lord, this morning, we've been reminded that you're, you're right there with us in the midst of our lowest low. And Lord, we, we're reminded today that we're not alone, that we are a part of a community of others who are struggling too. And others who may be in different places than we are individually at this time who can help us and we need each other we need a community to face these things together and the irony of community being broken during covid when we need community the most and so father this morning we pray for each and every one of us we pray that that your presence would bring peace into our lives that our care for one another would help each of us to find our way to to healthy living and, and healthy mental health. Father, I pray today for your encouragement and your strength in our lives. Father, we pray today for those who need a physical touch on their bodies, and we continue today to pray for Edith and Todd and Gina and and others who need your healing, who need a miracle in their lives, God. And we come to you because we believe that you are the God of miracles. You're the God who brings fire upon the altar. So Father, this morning we commit ourselves to you afresh. Lord, as we leave this place today and as we Lord, continue through the next weeks and months. We pray that we would see how you're working in our lives to help bring us to that point where we are are healthy once again for those who are struggling. Just help us to remember one another as we move forward. We thank you and we praise you for these things today. In Jesus' name, amen. We want to thank you for being with us today. And if we can serve you or help you in any way, please don't hesitate to reach out to us and let us know. We're here to serve you as best we can. Pray that you'll have a good week. And Lord willing, we'll we'll see you next time. God bless you. Thank you for being here.